Excellent. Very good. Well, now we've caused chaos. Now we're going to try and build a little bit of um, order. Right. Next slide, please. Excellent. Who does God say we are? Let's look at the Bible, shall we? Children, this is who God says each of us is. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Have you heard that? Shall I read it again? But you are a chosen people. Woo! It's very easy to go past that. It's not, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm ad-libbing, but you are a chosen people. Do you realize that God chose you from before the beginning of the world to be his son and daughter? Children, that's the same for you. Genesis 1. This is from the Amplified, okay? God said... So this is the beginning of the world when God was making creation. Could you imagine just standing there watching this? I'd love to have been there. Just hearing the banter between Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Just of, oh, what are we going to do here? Yes, let's start this. And then he said, okay, God said, let us, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have complete authority. Where's that word again? Ruth, authority. Over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, to tame the beasts, and over all of the earth, and over everything that creeps upon the earth. We're going to come back to this in a little while. But do you hear that? From the beginning of the earth, as sons and daughters of the living king, we were given authority over the earth. Authority over the earth. It's incredible, isn't it? So when we talk about um, in, in Sunday mornings and in our children's groups, and we talk about authority, and we've got the, the um, authority from God to say this, to declare this, it's written in the word of God. So the Bible is telling us royal. We're royal. Darling, do you want to hand over to you now? So... We are royal, and we live in a royal kingdom. Now, uh, what is a kingdom? Well, in England, we don't actually live in a kingdom as such, because we live in a democracy. A kingdom, this would have been a kingdom years ago when there were other queens and kings that ruled, but a kingdom is officially um, a place where the king rules and reigns, and the king owns everything in his kingdom, including the people themselves. And everything is under the rule of the king. And their kingdom is about the, the governing influence of the king over his territory. So his will reigns, his purpose, his intentions, they're, they're what, what um, dominate in the kingdom. So this then produces a people and a culture that reflects the nature of the king. So who is the kingdom? We are part of a kingdom, not in England as such, but we are part of a spiritual kingdom, aren't we? And who is the king that reigns there? It's Jesus. In Revelation, it says that um, on his robe and on his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So he's the king and we live in that kingdom. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, we talk about where his rule and his reign, they dominate everything. And his intention and his nature characterizes 
everything within that kingdom. So, um, and what does it feel like then? Well, oh, sorry, no, I've missed out the second bit. The right to rule. Interesting. I was looking at this, and in the Good News Bible, it says in Luke 22, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he says, Just as my Father has given me the right to rule, so I will give you the same right. Or in some versions, it says, Just as the Father has conferred a kingdom to me, I now confer the kingdom to you. So actually, that's why, as royal princes and princes, we are not just the subjects of the ki- we're not the subjects of the kingdom, but we are co-heiring, aren't we? And we're ruling and reigning with the king. And what does this kingdom feel like? We're quite familiar with this, but it's Romans fourteen seventeen. It says, "The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy." in the Holy Spirit. So the, the feel of the kingdom in his, in his kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what mark out the kingdom. And how long will his kingdom last? In Psalm 145, it says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures forever. We know the queen that we have now She won't, in her physical form, remain as queen forever, will she? There'll be somebody who precedes her, and there was somebody who went before her. But the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus, has a a kingdom that will last forever. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Very good. Excellent. Thanks, darling. The next slide, please. What can be our expectations? Um, I have the privilege of working in London, and about twice a week... I run past the Tower of London during lunchtime. And do you know what? God spoke to me this week because an evening this week, I actually got to go and sit in the moat of the Tower of London for our work summer party. doesn't have any water in anymore, does it? doesn't have any water, okay? And I felt like God gave me two perspectives. One is as I'm running past, there's loads of visitors. I must admit, I probably have a collision three or four times um, when I'm out running. And you sort of feel like you're a bit of a spectator because you've got this amazing palace and you think, oh, that's lovely, that's lovely. And you just carry on walking or running by. And then when you're sitting in the moat, you're not quite in the palace, but you're near it. You're then looking up with the visitors, but you're not quite in the Tower of London. And I feel like this morning, sorry, this is not to do with my notes. I feel like part of this morning is actually, where is our perspective? Are we just someone that's walking past the Tower of London as a visitor? or jogging, whatever it may be, or we're sitting in the moat because we're thinking, actually, that's far enough for me, or I'm not, I haven't got the identity to be right in the Tower of London, or are we inside the kingdom that Marshall's just described? Okay, that's a question. Please don't answer that now. So what can be our expectation? If we think about the royal family children, children, how many houses have the royal family got? Or the queen, sorry. Do you think she's going to worry about where she lives? I don't think so. Do you know how many millions the Queen has in her bank account? Did you say Rachel? You're right, millions. Do you think she worries about whether she's going to have enough money? No. Do you think she's going to worry about what she's going to eat this afternoon? Yes. Do you think she's going to worry that she's going to be alone? Her friends, her family, you're exactly right. Now, 
what does the Bible say that our expectations can be, or how we should think? In Matthew 6, I love this verse, it tells us not to worry. Should we read it together? Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and your your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you be worrying at a single hour to your life? And although this doesn't put all of the words that I want to put into it, but our expectations can be that our Father God will supply all of our needs. We don't have to be worried about one thing. Okay? And it's just as we're sitting here as a family, the expectation is that there is love amongst us all for each other. And you know, there's something, there's an, that I think there's an interesting supernatural principle of sharing our lives together because it talks about co laboring in the Bible. And actually, I think when we co labor with God, it means that when we hear that our brother or sister needs something, be it financial, be it a home, be it a room, bit of love, bit of hug, bit of cake, actually it allows us to partner in the supernatural and to meet the provisions of each other. Okay? Did you hear that? So I think co-laboring can often mean, well, okay, God, sit back. You've got it in control. That's fine. And there is an element of that because I, I believe we should be doing it from rest. But there's something about us co-laboring, which is actually, as we hear of a need, we... Um, we actually co-labor with God and meet that need. Okay? Now, I think there's also something else, children, is that, and adults, if we see that a friend or somebody is receiving a blessing, a new toy, some money, does that mean that our, God's resources are depleted for us? Sometimes it can be very easy to think, oh, well, God's given away this and this and this, so that means I've got less and less for me. No, that's not true. God has an unlimited provision. Right, darling. Sorry. Right, okay. (laughs) I'm watching my two sons bundling in the corner whilst being in the zone. Right, so um, we've talked about how we're all princes and princesses, haven't we? And actually, that doesn't just apply to the people in this room, does it? That actually God's chosen, his children are everywhere, but just that some people don't realise that yet. So this affects then the way we see other people. When we have that revelation of who we are as princes and princesses, then this should affect how we treat everybody and how we love everyone. And we talked this morning, didn't we, about honour. Somebody said that um, when, we ha- when the children held those bits of paper, that actually God has honoured us and elevated us, hasn't he, in, in saying we're his sons now. And actually, then that's his desire for us to then honour one another.